0: Oh, uh-huh. oh,
1: Hello, my friends, Andy over the Andy Falco Show coming to you live from Brea, California. One of the places that at least so far we have not seen any writing. Um, uh, It is. Oh, wow. What a. Can we start 2020 all over again? Can we like go back and can we actually maybe skip 2020 and go from uh, 2019 to 2021? I think we probably should do this. Um, But there's got to be some positive I know that in the end, as with everything, as when I went through a near bankruptcy, when I went and I lost uh, nearly a million dollars, if not 000, 000 in a million dollars in a bad business deal, uh, that there's always something, that good, something good that comes out of it eventually, uh, out of this whole thing. Um, the subject matter I'm going to be talking about in racism is a difficult one, and I really thought long and hard over the last three days about talking about it and, and whether I would actually even talk about it, because who am I? You know, I, I'm a I'm white, Hispanic, Irish, American Indian, uh, German, police officer, American, uh, and all those things. And that's all the things I put in the title. What do, what do I know about racism? And I know nothing about African American being an African American in our in our United States or in our world. And so, but. I do have some experiences, uh, in this world. So, um, just in regard to my experience from my standpoint, I think the best thing my dad taught me, if anything, and again, we didn't have that great of a relationship, my dad and I, and he was very harsh and, and there was never any time. Hey, Rich, nice to see you. There was never a time where we said, I love you, uh, one way or another, my mom and, and I, nothing. That was not anything that was in our, um, uh, in our up up-raising. Um, and, and quite often my dad, who was, uh, his last name is, uh, Jimenez, but he said Jimenez, my whole family said Jimenez, um, was the first sign. Once I learned when I was in high school that the name was actually pronounced Jimenez. And I go, well, how come we never said Jimenez? And my dad said, well, you know, it was, I was in world war II and I was in the army. And, uh, if you went by Jimenez, then, you know, there was a, you know, they, they thought you were Mexican. And so I, if I said Jimenez, then it was much easier. I also didn't have to explain, uh, how to, um, How to spell it and so there was already you know this thing like oh you know that's just what you do you know when you (laughs) you change your name so that you don't get any grief and so there's that part right and so that that started early my dad also was a bit uh, of a of, of a bigot i don't know that he was racist you know sometimes i say he was racist sometimes i say that he was just like archie bunker that everybody of another race he used that name instead of their name so our neighbors were from hawaii so he said hey you're going to the hawaiians what are the Hawaiians doing? The Hawaiians are parking their cars on top of their lawn again. What are those Hawaiians doing, right? It was never referred to as, I don't even know their name because we've referred to them as the Hawaiians. Uh, down the street were the Mexicans, right? The Mexicans also parked their cars on their lawn uh, and uh, changed the oil in the street. So he called them Mexicans are changing the oil in their street again. Um, and then, you know, the blacks or the, uh, the Russian Jew that he worked for. None of them had a name. <laughs> they were all their race or the religion. And that's how I grew up. It was just the way that it was. And I never really thought that much about it. Um, uh, Where even earlier in my life that I, again, was affected by it, but really wasn't affected by it, was that my dad used to call me Jap. Again, my my dad was in World War II. Uh, It was a war against the the Japs and the Krauts, right? That was where uh, the war was. And then you had the Spicks and you had all this guy. This is the way I grew up, right? But because my eyes are kind of slanted uh, and squinty, uh, he used to call me Jap. And so when I woke up in the morning, it was, hey, Jap, what's going on? And so my entire life, I was either Jap or Dig. I was not Andy. Um, Dig, the reason he called me Dig is because I used to love to explore in the backyard. I always thought someday I was going to find treasure. So I always dug these holes in the backyard looking for you know, bones and gems. And then I would even hide treasure and then make a map on how to find the the, the the treasure. So I was always digging in the backyard. So if he wasn't calling me Jap, he was calling me Dig. I'm sharing all this with you because I wanted, want you to know that I, I never really thought anything about being called a name or uh, somebody being racist towards me. Uh, and he also taught me never to be a whiner. Don't cry about anything. Don't show your weaknesses. Uh, I used to get very bad spankings from time to time using belts and sticks and two by fours. And I, what, I had a brick, I think, thrown at me one time. Uh, but if I ever cried, that was it. He That was it. He would be so pissed if I cried or if I showed emotion. And so early on, and, and, and again, this is not a what was me. It's nothing. I'm just trying to share with you that I don't know of this thing called whining about about things when people call you names. So, as I get into the police department, you know, I was called Mexican, you know, hey, Mexican, you know, go handle that call or Mexican, go do that. And I was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go handle that call. Like, we never never really thought about it. Um, uh, when uh, there were officers that, when Mexican uh, suspect, suspects were running from them, they would be on the radio and they'd say, hey, we got three Rudys jumping over the West Wall and I'm in pursuit of Rudys. Um, and that was, that was normal. I mean, we really never thought anything of it. And so that's kind of the thing, that, that the way that I grew up and in coming into the law enforcement and the police work. But uh, as a police officer, I can't say that in Anaheim Police Department that I ever witnessed a police officer being racist towards somebody. I, I never witnessed it. Did I see it around us and other departments? Yes, there was a, a very famous Long Beach incident where um, a black police officer I think he was out of LA. I think it was a black police officer out of LA who went to Long Beach almost purposefully trying to bait a Long Beach officer into arresting him. It was this weird dynamic thing. And what ended up happening, getting caught on video, because back then it wasn't like everybody had a video. If you had a video, you had to purposely have a video running and it was more difficult back then. This was in the, uh, the mid to late 80s. From what I remember, and what happened was, is the cop took um, the the officer who was being stopped for some reason or another, driving while black, probably, and uh, took his hands behind his head and then pushed him towards a plate glass window at a uh, you know a storefront, and the um, the the suspect officer or the the officer that was being patted down, the black officer. Um, Again, then he was a not a civilian, but he was a, a off duty. There we go, off duty officer. He hit his head against the window and then caused the whole thing to break, and it went down. It was a whole controversy because they had it all on videotape, and it all turned into a big thing. So those things were happening. Then, of course, we had Rodney King, um, and then everything began to change. And so that is that is my experience. But as far as me and my officer, the officers I worked around uh, never had really seen anything. I had a, a roommate, which was a, a black officer that I went to the academy with. He began living with me. He had a a white wife, a uh, blonde uh, uh, Caucasian wife. They were going through, through a separation. He moved in with me. We were really good friends again. We went to the academy together. And I can't say that anytime I hung out with them or that he and we used to go to the gym together all the time. We used to hang out together. I never witnessed him being targeted in any way as far as being black in Orange County or doing anything. So um, I, I, I never found uh, myself being a witness to anything like that. And, and found it so, like, it was one of these weird things that kind of happens somewhere else. It happens in L.A. maybe, it happens in Long Beach, but never really had, had it happen. However, when you go on a call as a police officer, one of the first things that happens, whether you're arresting a Mexican or arresting a, um, uh, somebody from Guatemala or African-American or and, and even sometimes Middle Eastern or uh, uh, Armenian, we were always based on what they were saying. We were only contacting them because we were racist, right? We were only arresting them because we were racist cops. And my answer was always uh, was no. The reason you're being arrested is because on the way here I was given the description of a male black wearing what you're wearing uh, with the last name of whatever the name was and that you were in this location. And then I saw you and now I'm arresting you. I'm not arresting you because you're black you're black and you match the description of a black suspect, right? And so, but, it was, but that was the one thing that was really consistent. Now, anytime we would catch somebody, we would uh, corral somebody, I would bite them with my police dog, which again was up to 80 people in, in the city of Anaheim. Um, it was only always because I was racist. And that's the only time that really became a factor. And I don't ever believe that there was any time that I was racist, only against white people really only against white people. The only time that I stopped somebody because of their color, it was because a white person was in the wrong neighborhood. And normally it was because they were there to buy drugs. So if I was ever racist, it was always against white people because they didn't belong in little TJ in Anaheim, nor in the West End, in the black area, picking up narcotics or a prostitute. Uh, And so whenever I stopped anybody because of their color, almost always it was because they were Caucasian. All right, so I I wanted to lay out that out again, as usual. Because there's, I think it, it helps to have a little bit of foundation of how I was raised that I never really thought about it when somebody called me Mexican or, you know, whatever, or called me racist. It, it just, I never responded. I never really took it to heart or was offended by it. I just kind of went, no, that's your problem. It's not mine. If you think I'm less because of who I am or because of where I was born or because of what blood I have in me or DNA or genetics, that it really is not my problem because I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know that I do have my weaknesses and my strengths, but because you called me a Mexican means nothing. Because you called me, because you, you say, and there were people that said, you only got this job because you were Mexican, right? There were guys that would say that. And so um, if, uh, again, I go, no, <laughs> but if you believe that, that's not my problem. That's your problem. And so it was never one of those things. And so this is gonna become important, I think, later on, as I get further into my discussion, because I find it odd to have, I find it hard to have discussions when it does come to talking about racism, because there's people that get very sensitive and very emotional when we begin to get into this area. And, and it's gonna be really important later on, all right? So I hope I laid that foundation that's really important. Um, and again, this is these are my views uh, and I hope that they, it comes across well. Um, I know that there's many people that are, that are probably going to be offended at some of the things I say, uh, especially when I get into the part about politics, about being a Republican and, and talking about liberals, that this is kind of where things begin to go haywire in the discussions I've had on Facebook. And But I hope that bringing this out and, and maybe understanding um, what I believe is important in discussing racism um, uh, may, I may be wrong, but I, I also think that I'm, right all right and so we're going to get into that area all right so uh in in attending to my notes here um i i do want to address uh the the, obviously that what is going on in our world right now that we have a a huge problem right now and whether or not the officer who put his knee on george uh, floyd's neck was racist he sure looks kind of like a guy who'd be racist right you see the picture you see what he looks like and that kind of stuff and he looks i mean looks are deceiving, but I often said, I still don't know. I, I, I don't know that he's racist in the sense that he did it because he, he's white and he's black. It, it, again, it sure is possible. Um, he has 13 to 14, something like uh, 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 complaints against him for uh, use of force under color of authority, or all of those black people, that I have not heard. If they are all black, then there's a really good chance that he's racist. And the only reason he did is racist. I do understand now also that those two uh, work together, George and the officer who uh, is now a suspect and arrested uh, and a murderer um, that he uh, worked. They work together in the same nightclub. So what is going on there? What, what is it that was going on with that dynamic? And did he not recognize him as the guy that he works with in the same thing? And so there's some very interesting things about that. And we don't know enough about that. We do know based on all the angles that there is no reason why he wasn't arrested on day one based on now knowing that the DA, the investigators, the, the chief of police, the, um, the FBI, the, the DOJ, the, uh, the governor, the mayor all had this information prior uh, to uh, Friday, right? This happened on Monday and they didn't arrest him until Friday. Really, did it take that long? It, it did not take that long to review all those videos and the witness statements, and the facts behind the case. And and that is really where they let the black community down, I think. And they, they could have done a much better job of doing that. And so we're going to revisit that too. But when it comes to what's happening now, I understand why the black community is upset. I truly understand. And I'm not sure why that doesn't get across when I've had a few discussions over the last few days through Facebook and Twitter and some of the other platforms where I've tried to say, I am with you 100%. But this violence is totally unreasonable. And there's nobody stepping up in the black community to stop those people. And I'm not t- saying those people and black people, but that the people that are doing violence because it's not just black people, right? We see white people, Asian people, Mexican people, uh, all committing violent acts and looting and breaking glass and windows and catching police cars on fire. Those people, those individuals are not as far as I feel, protesters against what happened to George Floyd. Those are opportunists who are looking for opportunity to cause chaos in our world and to get a bunch of crap for free. That's what, those are two separate things, right? And so I've been looking for African-American leadership to step up and to get out there and tell everyone to stop and to get other uh, black individuals and white individuals and and all the other races, who are really pissed off about what happened to George uh, Floyd, and to get uh, get those other folks out of the equation, and it would it would be helpful to work along with law enforcement, along with politicians, to all of go against those people that are causing the uh, damage and the death and destruction and damage to property and theft of uh, all the, uh, the, uh, the clothes and the televisions that they're taking out of the uh, Target, for instance, that it would be a way better way of going about this. But no, they're joining in and they're saying, it's okay, you got uh, uh, Michael Moore, the moron, Michael Moore, the director of all those stupid movies and documentaries, who is encouraging this rich guy is living in a fenced-in wall who has no, nothing of this. None of this is impacting him. And he's encouraging the destruction of the building. He's in, encouraging uh, people to go out and to um, loot and destroy. And it is the craziest thing. Not one person on the liberal side and the democratic side has gone again and said, listen, Michael Moore, we don't need your freaking help. Now. You don't just shut your trap and, and, and really use your platform to get the message out. It is the, the, the racism that we need to fix. This is not helping racism and the problems with racism, right? And then that is our biggest problem and there's nobody stepping up. And so that is the problem. And that's what the thing I wanna address. when we're talking about racism, the looting, the, the catching the police cars on fire, the burning the buildings down, throwing Molotov cocktails, doing all this other crap has nothing to do with racism. It's only increasing the problems of racism and those of you that are black uh, 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 leaders, those of you that want change in this world, need to step up. You really do need to step up. Liberals need to step up, step up. and they're not. They're encouraging it. They want the chaos. And I know that, that this is where I'm going to get into trouble. But they surely aren't making it stop, right? You had a, a Democrat mayor uh, in Minneapolis who said, let them burn down the police department. It's not that big of a deal. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You 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 set the, the 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 snowball rolling, right? You 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 really got your hands uh, uh, dirty. You he he needs to be responsible and held responsible for the chaos that is now being seen across the world, because he said it's okay, right? He's one of the first people that said, it's okay. and you got other people. You got Michael Moore saying it's okay, and now you got a number of other people saying it's okay, and now we have chaos, right? It starts with that police department that they allowed to get burned down in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's where it started, along with a number of other things, right? You can, But I can look at that one thing where I say, you know what, they're just venting. <laughs> no, because that's not what's gonna help with the issue of racism. It's not, because you got a bunch of people who are like going, well, I'm not sure about this, but I sure see a lot of black people breaking windows on target. I see a lot of black people sending police cars on fire. I see a lot of people, they're only seeking the black people. I see the white people, I see the Asian people, I see the Mexican, but the people that are kind of on the fence and saying, you know, I'm not sure what to believe or what to think, but I sure do see a lot of black people doing this stuff. Is it helping? No, it's not helping. So, I had a discussion on a on a on a post today, and I normally don't comment on somebody else's post in Facebook. And I do see a lot of comments coming up. I'm going to get to the comments in just one second. I'm sorry, because I know there's a lot going on out there. And I know that there's things that you people are, that you people, I see, keep saying you people. And I know when I say that, it sounds like it's, that's a racist thing. See how sensitive I am to say the wrong thing. Uh, but I, I, I want to see what all you're saying. Uh, some of my favorite people are saying some good stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening right now. And I know, and I can see, I got the, uh, on the TV, on this other side of the, of the ring light uh, that's going on here. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. But I want to talk about this discussion I had earlier. And I thought in the beginning it was a really healthy discussion, right? Um, a post was put up about how Trump didn't say anything about George Floyd on um during his WHO press conference. And I and I and I I didn't want to comment. <laughs> I had to comment, I just said Because and because so, this is all because of that everything that's happening based on what it was said. Because there's another one about something else about Trump, so, two in a row about Donald Trump is the cause of all the stuff that's going on because he said nothing about uh uh, George Floyd or um the 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 cops or the unrest or the race, he said nothing during the WHO press conference. So, but the WHO press conference was about the WHO. And so I said, that's why I just stopped. I said, "Listen, he talked to the family before the WHO press conference. The family of George Floyd. He 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 talked about it after the WHO press conference. He uh, unfortunately he tweets a couple of things that kind of are not that great, but um, because you had, you then have to go de- decipher them for the liberal media because the liberal media wants to choose to say he said he's going to go out there and shoot people. No, that's not what he said. Uh, but that's where they're going to go with it, right? And so it causes us grief. But he was talking about it before." He talked to the family before. He talked to people, uh, you know, in the in the United States and in the world after, and uh, and he sent the FBI down there. He did a whole bunch of stuff, but because based on this thing, he because he didn't mention it during the WHO uh, press conference, he's obviously racist. And um, and so I had this discussion. In the beginning, it seemed to be, very, be a very good discussion, but however, things were brought into this discussion that were just blatantly untrue. just blatantly and there was too many for me to go into now and so my response was well would be well no um this is what happened this is the chronological event and and chronological events especially when we're events are are important because there was discussion about well he didn't do this until that no that's not what happened he talked to the family before the who uh or um and then MLK was brought up. And then, you know, because I talked about, no, they need to come in. They came in their weak. They came in there late, right? The governor of, um, uh, of Minnesota uh, turned down help from Donald Trump. Donald Trump, before the WHO press conference, called um, the governor and said, hey, do you need help? I can, we can send some troops. We can send some uh, National Guard up there. And the, and the governor turned him down, right? And so, I, and so that, that, it was all part of that discussion. Said, But listen, he tried to send National Guard up there, but the governor turned him down. And he said, well, it wouldn't have done done any good, right? If he would have sent troops, it would have been worse. And so that's not true. Overwhelming presence is much more difficult for a a, a group of, of these Antifa, and um, uh, people that were you know, burning the police cars, if you have an overwhelming, what was happening was with the cops were overwhelmed because they didn't have enough, because they started too late, because they were already setting cars on fire, they're already setting buildings and now you're coming at it from behind. And that is a horrible position to be in as far as law enforcement is concerned and as far as military is con- concerned. When you're already coming in after everything is began to now begin to explode and now you're coming in, it, it's way more difficult. What you wanna do is be ahead of the explosion to smother the explosion. Whenever somebody uh, is uh, out of control when we're trying to wrestle, what we do is what's called the swarming them. We, we surround them and we overcome them with numbers and, um, and much better. Well, then the response was, well, you know, we proved that that was not, uh, 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 you know, a, a good thing to do back in when MLK was marching. And I said, well, you're talking about two different times. Back then, there was, it was a completely different world. Blacks weren't able to vote. Blacks weren't able to drink in the same drink out of the same water fountain. There, you know, there's a whole. It was a much different world back then, where the cops were not as equipped as trained. They were very racist back then. Many of them were in KKK, and he had a completely different dynamic in the fifties, leading into the sixties. Uh, during that time, it's you can't use those two comparisons of what we have now. We have much better tools. We have much better weapons. We have we have a lot more less lethal options than we did back then. We had dogs and guns and and water cannons. That's all we had, right? Now we have much more. Uh, uh, you know, we have shields. We have protection. We have we have uh, you know tanks that have uh, you know um, uh, push bars on top of them. We, we the, 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 the dynamics are completely different. And you to use that comparison is completely ridiculous. You've got to be kidding me. Right. But the numbers are so out of whack now, because now we're coming in from behind where if the governor would have said, yeah, you know what, let me get some help in here. Let's kind of this overwhelm the situation so that we can tamp it down before it gets crazy and you can do it with less violence. You can do it with more, um, you can have actually more officers that are undercover in the crowd, trying to figure out who the agitators are. Uh, that has never been talked about. You know, you're, you're, you're instead now having to dress what would be used as undercover officers because you don't have enough officers. You're not able to use undercover officers in the crowd to find out who are the agitators and taking them out of the, con- uh, the, the, um, the situation. None of that is able to happen because they're, they're overwhelmed and there's not enough. And so they're they're too late to the game with all this stuff. And so that was my argument about you can't compare the two, completely two situations. Uh, And then also you don't have somebody like MLK, uh, Martin Luther King, right? We have nobody like Martin Luther King who would go out into the crowd. He would personally, right? One of the strongest men with the biggest cojones and anybody that ever seen on the planet, he would go out there and say, listen, we're not gonna have violence. You need to calm down right now. And he would be out there, not sitting behind a podium in a conference room at City Hall, you know the Atlanta governor or mayor uh, who had a really great speech, right? She, everybody's go, oh, what a great speech she did. No one out there in in Minnesota, in Atlanta, in California, in New York, but wasn't listening to her, right? It was a great speech. Where was she? She's behind a podium, safely in City Hall. Where sure ass needed to be was out there in the middle of Atlanta, out there on the street, telling people, you need to knock this crap off right now. And all of you right here or who want a peaceful demonstration need to help me to get those idiots that are breaking windows, catching things on fire, throwing Molotov cocktails under control. And we are going to help the police. We're going to help the troops get these people under the control because we want a peaceful demonstration. We want to show the world that we really want to stop racism. Because they, those people, these people, those people are 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 what's causing us more grief. But did she do that? No, she got her ass, uh, uh, you know, behind a podium inside of a building. All right, I'm going to take a break because I'm getting all worked up here, and my son's sitting here watching. He probably thinks I'm a nut, Um, but he's listening to me um, very intently, or he's just waiting for me to stop so he can go back to playing, uh, uh, you know, games. All right, let me see. So sorry, I need to calm down. Heather heavens, I heard looting in Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. In Huntington Beach. Uh, I've seen it. Thank you, Nobby. That's the nicest thing you've said to me, but no, <laughs> I have too many skeletons in my closet. You think Trump was bad. <laughs> I have way, way more than I, I couldn't do that. Looting and fires and set. Yep. It's, it's everywhere. It's now spread because they just did not. They did not. stop. But I watched a live stream today and witnessed a looter attack another looter. And literally, yeah, yeah. well, you got a guy, is that the guy with the sword? You had a guy with a sword who got attacked, and he, I don't know if he lived, but they kicked the snot out of him. Now, the only part I saw was black people kicking the snot out of a white guy, and in the beginning, it looks like, oh, they kicked the snot out of a black guy that was in the group. Yeah, it, what and, and somebody was kind enough to put the actual footage that he was running around with a sword. Now, whether he was trying to protect himself or property or cars, or whatever, I don't know, but it's, it, there's a lot more to it than that. So I'm not sure if you're, that's the one you're talking about uh, with the sword or not setting cars on fire. Um, both APLA, uh, uh She had said in the comments about him being guilty. I thought that they would do that until after the internal affairs invasion games were over. <clears throat> White man! And a black man do damage to property. Yeah, it, it's just out of control. And none of it is about racism anymore. None of this violence, none of this stuff that's going on right now, is about about um, about racism. Yeah, yeah. Again, you got Al Sharpton. Thanks for bringing his name up because you got the, where is he? Why isn't he out there stopping the violence? This violence has nothing to do with racism. And I know he said it a hundred times. I'm going to say it over and over again because it is the dumbest thing. And, and nobody, you got Mike, again, I don't know, you got a white guy named Michael Moore He's telling all the black people to burn things up. Well, what is that? And why are they listening to him? Biden's not doing it. Where's Biden? He's done nothing. Nothing. He's not showed his ugly face to say, hey people, which he probably would not be able to get out the sentence and say that. He would be able to say nothing that would, that would cause things to, to go down. So to end my, my discussion about that post, or the discussion on the post and then all the comments in the end is what always happens and i say always i rarely say always and never but what seems to always happen when you begin to make inroads at least based on my discussion and things i was pointing out because they were all fact right everything that i was making uh uh, um, uh, comments on was to give facts because they were always saying, well, not always, they were they were saying these things that were just simply untrue and I was coming back with that. So in the end, when I when I was able to address all of the things that they thought were true and to show them, if you just look here, if you look here and you remember this and you do this, you will see that what you're saying is not true. And it is not, none of it was true. What it, how it ended was, well, you're an ass, an asshole. I'm gonna go ahead and say it, you're an asshole and you're a Trump lover. That was all the, that's how it ended, right? There was nothing ever that said, you know what? You're right on a few of those points, but I'm going to have to wait and see based on what happens in the future whether you're right on those other things, right? That could have been a really good ending of that discussion. Or, you know what? Even though I see what you're saying, Andy, I I still have my feelings and I I feel strongly that the Democratic leadership is going to do the right thing. Something like that. No, that's not how it ends, right? When I come up and say, you know, MLK was a fantastic leader at his time because he would go out there with the people, stand on the street and say, Peace, do not commit violence. Do not commit destruction of property that we are going to hold a peaceful rally. And what had happened with that peace? Blacks got the vote. We ended up eventually having a black president. We ended up, uh, you know, getting rid of all the white, uh, uh, you know, water fountains segregation. People could sit wherever they wanted to on the bus because why? Because you had a leader who was willing to put his ass out there and eventually got him killed. I know, I know eventually was this, I know, but you had somebody with some balls, to get out there and be a part of the of the process of keeping things calm, because calm pro- protests, calm um, uh, uh, discussion, and back and forth and negotiation and all of these things, you, you bring uh, Robert Kennedy into the mix, who who also was a big uh, promoter for um, you know uh, uh, you know getting rid of racism and to allowing blacks to vote and do all the things that everybody else did. You had these people that were willing to get out there with the people and walk with them. But you didn't see none of that leadership now. I saw one lady, a nurse in New York yesterday. She was standing out there putting her hands up, not saying, hands up, don't shoot. Her hands were up and saying, stop the violence. You needed more people facing the people that were protesting with their hands up saying, stop the violence. Not hands up, don't shoot. You need more of that. I understand what your message is when you say stand up, don't shoot, or I can't breathe, whatever that is. Continue saying that. But you needed a lot more people with their hands up saying stop the violence. I saw one nurse in New York in the streets yelling at the people to stop the violence. One. She wasn't a leader. She was a citizen. She was a nurse wearing her scrubs. She just came off of work and she's out there telling people. One person. I have not seen it. I see a bunch of people that are, uh, you know, sitting in newsrooms or in their house, you know, behind, you know, their 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 walls, you know, going, yeah, you know, this isn't really good. None of those people are out there stopping the other people. Not one of them. You don't see uh, Maxine Waters. What's she doing? Doing nothing except for flaming the fire, flaming the fuel. Right. And and throwing more fuel on the fire. Uh, I kind of mixed my two things up there. But um, that's what they're doing. And not doing what it takes to get out there. I've been on the street. I was in LA riots. I spent a week in LA during the riots, being a part of the LA riots, getting rocks thrown at us, Molotov cocktails. Uh, My dog was out there trying to keep people back from fires that they were setting at the Seven Eleven as we were driving by. I was there to protect the firemen who were trying to put out the fires. They were throwing rocks at the firemen. The firemen were wearing vests because they were getting shot at. I spent a week in that mess. So don't tell me what it's like or what it's not like to be in this type of situation. I'm, I feel sorry and I'm sad for the officers because that was me during the uh, LA riots, during Rodney King times. And seeing what they're going through, it's, it's, it's a no-win situation, right? You try to arrest somebody and you're racist. You have to beat somebody back because they won't back up or you bite your dog with them, uh, bite them with your dog. And now you're racist. But you listen, this person just got done setting fires or they're throwing rocks or they're throwing bricks and they're they're, um, throwing Molotov cocktails. What do you want us to do as police officers? But we need the help of the black community. Mexican community that are against uh, racism and violence. We need the the the, re, the, uh, the politicians out there on the street, not behind some wall at a podium saying all nice, really flowery things, but yet doing nothing about it. That's what needs to happen. Um, uh, Barbara is on, my cousin. Uh, her son, yeah, uh, has been in LA till 2 a.m. and now in Santa Ana Monica. Hey, we have similar stories we can tell each other now about what it's like to be out there with the stupid people, yes. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing that. Um, and um, so, oh, my gosh. So where am I at here? Uh, I want to make sure I'm on task because I, I wanted to eventually get to the eventual uh, message here. There have been many um, uh, black leadership Bringing politics. Oh, so all right. So let's bring some politics in there. And this is where uh, I think some of the discussions go haywire because people say you can't bring politics into all this. You, you absolutely have to bring politics in this. Where did most of this start? It all happened in Democrat-run cities and states. This is where most of it it it, it began. And so back in my comments to the to the earlier discussion, that I was commenting on it. It, it entered into the party. Said, "Why aren't you pissed? Why are you pissed at Donald Trump?" who has done probably more for the black community than any other president. I know I'm going to get the messages from that too. I don't care because it's the truth. Again, we we I can name them. I can't name them off the top of my head, but I have them written down about many of the things that he's tried to put through, even with pushback from Democrats who didn't want these things to happen. And he would promote them anyway and get them done regardless of what the Democrats would allow to happen. They were always having pushback. They didn't want to have him have success in the black community. Imagine how much more success that he could have in the black community if they wouldn't have blocked him from doing much of the stuff he was trying to do. So, so you have to have politics under this because one of the biggest problems that started this whole thing, and I'm going to go through, uh, I have it here is, um, to start this all off. And I brought this up the other day and it's important to bring it up because, um, where this all began is in Minneapolis, right? When you have a white officer, former officer moron, uh, do something as incredibly insensitive and, uh, deadly uh, to a a suspect by having his knee. He had two other officers on the body. The guy can't breathe, right? They totally suffocated him with his own body weight and their body weight. And then with the neck, uh, knee on the neck, right? Very clear. You got video from all angles. You have witness statements. You have probably their statements that they may have made spontaneously as they were leaving the scene or even actively still trying to get him into the, into the, um, uh, the ambulance certain things can be said and those can all be used all of that stuff every one of the these following people had this information and so we had a democrat um, mayor a democrat prosecutor a democrat attorney general a democrat union a democrat governor and the only person who acted quickly was President up by trump by sending fbi and doj over there to make sure that this got prosecuted not prosecuted got uh, investigated quickly and and come to some resolution But no, even with that, they're still blaming Donald Trump. But it was the Democrat governor, mayor, um, uh, DA, who chose to slow roll it for God knows whatever reason from Monday until Friday, which is really what is causing most of this unrest because people wanted answers quickly because they could see on, on video, even with one angle, that we had a problem here. And there was nothing wrong with arresting that officer on day two. They could have arrested him on day one, right? The day that it happened that night, they could have gone to his house and arrested him because they know from past videotaped arrests where something like this has happened, this kind of stuff happened. They already know, we knew this was going to happen, but they chose not to take action. But those are Democrats, it wasn't Republicans. This is why you have to have politics enter this because the, the liberal Democrats are the ones that are causing most of the unrest based on their past history of not doing very much for the black community in Chicago, in New York, in Los Angeles, in Baltimore, in some of these heavily populated areas of black communities where they have the most poverty, the most shootings, the most uh, drug problems, uh, the worst schooling systems, right, are all run by Democrat politicians. This is why you have to have uh, politics brought into this discussion. And this is why I brought it into the discussion earlier. Yet, of course I got, that was when they started calling me an asshole and a, and a Trump uh, supporter. But I said, this is what, and I was just making a statement that this is what you really need to be looking at. Why aren't you, the person who I was having the discussion, why aren't you asking the questions of the prosecutor? Why aren't you asking these questions of the mayor and the governor who have had control of these areas for tens and, and 20 years? That we, we have these conditions in these cities that have caused much of this. You have the 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 um, uh, who was on just a minute ago. It was the chief of police for uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, who has one of the most corrupt police departments that I know of. As I've had a couple cases at Minnesota, and you have a guy who's been investigated thirteen times for um, uh, 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 you know use of force under color of authority, and he's still a police officer. Yet you have a police, black police chief of police who's done nothing. About hey, listen. When somebody gets two or three of these things, we really need to begin looking at them as whether they should be a cop here, right? How did it get the thirteen? How did this ever get the thirteen to where that on the fourteenth time he could kill somebody? Those those are the questions, not whether Donald Trump mentioned anything about. George uh, Floyd or any anything that was happening when he got the incident, that's not the question you should be asking. That's not the thing that you should be enraged about. That's not the thing that you should be posting on Facebook saying, that's it. We're not, I can't wait until Donald Trump is voted out. That's not the thing you should focus on. Why aren't you focused on why the chief of police of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, the, the police department and the DA And the the governor and the mayor, why have they done nothing in their community? What's they're more responsible for than the president of the United States? They know what's going on on a daily basis. They can see what's happening on a daily basis and yet they've done nothing. But yet your focus is on whether the president mentions something in his WHO uh, press uh, monitoring. Those are the things. Let me show you a video, this part of a, a bigger video and I'm gonna show you why it's important that uh, this should have been addressed. And, and I don't often quote Malcolm X. I don't know that much about Malcolm X. I did study uh, Martin Luther King. I read all of his speeches uh, at one point in college and did some research on Martin Luther King. And again, the guy was amazing and did some incredible things. Um, but, um, uh, I, I, but I really think Malcolm X uh, says it best here in this video. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and play this. Let me go ahead and uh, take down my lower third. Oh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta take that back. So sorry. One second, because I didn't uh, make the audio available. My bad. Gotta stop the screen share, and I gotta do it again here. I've done did that yesterday three times. I'm so sorry. All right, let's listen to what uh, Malcolm X has to say about. nope hide some of these messages. <laughs> there we go. All right, here we. Actually, I'm gonna mute my mic. So I'm gonna mute my mic, and I'll come back.
3: There are many whites who are trying to solve the problem, but you never see them going under the label of liberals. That that white person that you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western Hemisphere. He's the most deceitful. He's like a fox. And a fox is almost, is always more dangerous in the forest than the wolf. You can see the wolf coming. You know what he's up to. But the fox will fool you. He comes at you with his mouth shaped in such a way that even though you see his teeth, you think he's smiling
0: and taking for a friend.
1: Consider better myself. That, that was powerful stuff. I've never heard that before. It, again, it was part of a, a longer video. You can see that video on my, on my Facebook page. Uh, a very powerful statement. Just, you know, they, 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 they want you to believe that they care about the black community. They want you to believe that they, they, they care about the, the, the downtrodden and the poor, and they, yet they do nothing. Right, they just tax you more and do nothing. They, they in California, you got Gavin Newsom who 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 spends all the money from taxes not on improving, uh, you know certain areas of Los Angeles and San Francisco and solving the homeless problem, but he takes all this money that has been raised in other programs and puts it into a train that goes from Fresno to nowhere. It, it, we call it the train to nowhere. Billions of dollars has been spent on this train, yet it's gone nowhere. Uh, they've they've done they've dug tunnels and, and and bridges and overpasses and yet there's still no freaking train, right? You got morons in the Democratic Party, liberal Democrats that are doing stupid, stupid stuff that have done nothing to help the liberal community or the uh, the black community. Uh, and until you wake up and understand that the liberals will do nothing for you, they have shown over the the two, three, four decades that they've had control over many of these cities and states that they've done nothing for those city and states, uh, 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 nothing but cause chaos and increase homicides and reduce the education of the constituents that are within that community. That is all they've done. And I know this sounds like rhetoric. I know this sounds very strong, but I'm telling you, based on what I've researched, I've, been, I've never been so much into finding out what really is happening in our world than I have lately, that this is what truly is happening. Are the Republicans the solution to everything? No. I don't like Lindsey Graham anymore. I used to like him a little bit, but he's not hes not doing much for us either, right? We have many Republicans who are morons too. We got uh, uh, Mittens, we <laughs> call them Mittens, Mitt Romney, who is an idiot, right? We got a couple uh, Republicans who are just, again, it, the Republicans are, the, the, so we are the solution to our problems. We are, they are not. Right. They work for us. We decide when somebody like Adam Schiff has been in there, you know, and and doing nothing. This is for the last three years. He's done nothing but investigate the president based on lies. Right. He needs to be voted out. He doesn't get to tell us what to do. We get to tell him what we want and what we don't want by voting him out. But yet we continue to vote for these people. Nancy Pelosi is another moron. Look at, her, look at her, the city that she's representing that has the highest homeless population. It's increased by 300% since, since COVID-19 has started. And it's been nothing but a disaster. She is nothing but a disaster. And yet we believe that they are in control of us. The Republicans aren't in control of us. The Democrats are in control. We are in control of ourselves. And until we take a stand and say we no longer want this kind of stuff, not by burning up police cars, not by destroying buildings, not by destroying infrastructure, not by spitting on cops and throwing Molotov cocktails at them, but by demonstrating through peace, by voting people out of office and voting new people into office, making sure that we get people in there to get things done, this is what changes things. MLK, Martin Luther King, he changed things through peace and discussion and movements. It it was none of this crap that's going on today. Really none of this stuff going on today. All right. Oh man, I don't know if I'm doing any good or if this means anything or anybody cares and it will not change anything. (laughs) See, look what I just said. (laughs) See, even sometimes I think that I've gone, I don't care. You know, I'm just gonna, I I give up, but I don't give up. Um, uh, I'm using this platform. I'm reaching uh, the last video that I did. uh, I think we're up to 4,000 people watch that video or watch that Facebook live. So uh, we're gonna do one thing. All right, so I got three more things I wanna talk about. Three more things. The one thing that will never uh, allow you to improve your conditions as a human being, as a race, as a community is that you, if you constantly have a victim mentality, and, and I see this and I, in this discussion that I, I had earlier on some of these posts and not in just that, but I'm picking on that one post because it's the one that just is the freshest is that there were always this, how it always ended up is that they were a victim, right? We're, we're always full of victims the Democrats want you to be a victim. You want, they want you to feel victimized. They keep telling you you're a victim, right? They keep telling you you are a victim. They keep telling you're a victim of Donald Trump. They tell you're you a victim of, of uh, Devin Nunez. They tell you're you a victim of the Republican party. They tell you're you a victim of your circumstances. You're, you're a victim because you're poor, right? N- no, I could have been, and now we're gonna get to, the, to how I started this whole thing, right? When I grew up, I was called Jap because of my eyes. Uh, when I uh, became a police officer, I was called the Mexican, right? The Mexican will go do that. Mexican, hey, go get me a coffee. Mexican, you're gonna sit in the front of the briefing. room. We can't sit back up here with us white people, right? And I just said, whatever, that's not my problem, right? I was never a victim. This person who they said these things about, you know what happened in the first two years as a police officer? I got voted officer of the year. You know what happened in the the, the next year after that? I got uh, awarded the, the, the best officer of the year, whatever best uh, what is it called? Distinguished Service Award. I forgot what I got. It's a medal that you get. It's like the highest honor you can get as a police officer within the police farm. In my third or fourth year, I forget what year it was, I got the Distinguished Service Award at my police department. This is a guy who was called Mexican. This was a guy that grew up being called a Jap. This was a guy who uh got F's in math. Sorry, kids, don't listen to this. I was a very poor educated. Uh, uh, in high school, I passed and I got through high school, uh, but then I ended up graduating number five out of fifty in the in the uh, police academy and uh, all that could have ended if I would have been ever the victim, right? My dad beat me pretty good a couple times, really you know, but it caused me not to steal ever again. you know, all those things happened. I nearly died a couple times uh, because of stupid uh, things that I did and that kind of stuff. but what it ended up happening I didn't allow myself to be a victim. I know, that at any time during my life, I could allow myself to be a victim and not move forward, right? The only way not to, be, not to move forward is by continuing to be a victim. And I keep hearing over and over again, again, I've never been black, right? I've never been pulled over because I've been black. I've never been thrown on the ground and handcuffed and kicked because I've been black. I, I, I admit that and I am sorry, but I've had very many uh, colleagues and people I've worked with who have got high in leadership and the lieutenants and captains and sergeant Uh, I have friends who do well in business who are black. And the reason they were able to do that because they were never victims, never victims of being black. You can just be black. You can just be Mexican. You can just be Chinese and Asian and uh, American Indian. But those who are successful in those races, no matter if it's black or not, is if you refuse to be a victim. It doesn't matter if one day you got pulled over and thrown on the ground. It matters. I know it does, but it really doesn't matter in the overall grand scheme of things, because if you lay there on the ground and cry, and now you can't move on because you are a victim one night, then nothing's ever going to change. But that is the thing I continually hear uh, from from people who really do not want change, is that uh, poor me. Poor me, I'll, you know, they, they they keep holding me back. I have a family member who, for years, said that every supervisor, she had like five or six jobs. And with every job, she had a horrible supervisor. Every job. I mean, it was, it, whether it was Chipotle, whether it was, you know, uh, you know, I, if I start naming them, then, then the person will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Name some other things. Uh, you know, the, the car wash, the, um, the, the hair salon, right? No matter where she worked, no matter what type of business it was, the, the supervisors were morons and were always picking on her, right? Always picking on her or him, right? Always. I'm a victim. I want to work. And I, and I'm the best, I'm the best in the, in the office. I'm the best person. I'm the best salesperson, but the supervisor hates me. All right. I might've believed it on the first one <laughs> and maybe on the second one, but now that you're on your fifth or sixth job. And again, you have one of the most horrible supervisors ever really. And that's when I sat down and said, listen, I really find it hard to believe that everywhere you've worked, you've never had a supervisor that you could work with. Have you ever thought about standing in front of a mirror and evaluating yourself and your work ethic and your attitude and the things you say, how you dress, how you comb your hair, how you smell when you show up for work? When you leave work, how much vacation you take? Have you thought about all those things? And have you done your very best to be on time to, to be the last person, that, be the person that locks the door. Never be the person who has the door held open for them. Be the person that locks the door. Be the person that sets the alarm. Be the person that when you come in, people say, wow, you look great, you are ready for action. Have somebody say, you know what, no matter what I can say about this person, man, they're always really well dressed and they're always so nice to the customer. How about being that person? Right. But instead, what I hear constantly is that everybody's picking on you, that you can never you can never get through a job. You can never last in a job because you always have lousy supervision. It seems to me that the supervision is trying to help you by telling you you need to be on time, by telling you that you need to make sure and count the registers so that you always have the right amount of money at the end of the day, that there's something going on, that something needs to be fixed. And then that's when you take action, not then you go, oh, why are you picking on me? You're trying to say I don't count or I don't know how to count. You're saying, I don't know how to dress. No, the supervisor is telling you, you know what, we have a standard here, we have a policy here and you chose to take this job With this policy, and now your job is to to uphold that policy because you want us to give you a paycheck at the end of every two weeks. And to get that paycheck, you follow the policy, you show up on time, right? You make sure and count the money back correctly. And if you're having trouble doing them with with that, you get help. How can I do this? Or maybe not the register is not for me. Maybe being on the floor, being a salesperson is a better place for me, or being a greeter, being a host or hostess is a better place for me. But being a victim every time you go out of this world is never going to allow you to progress. It's end, you're going to end up being one of those people breaking down a window at Target and stealing the, the big screen TV. Those are all victims. They're victimizing other people because they are feeling like they're victims. If you're a winner, you don't victimize other people. You help other people. You pick people up when they're down. When you're not a victim and you're a winner, you pass on the winnings. Stop being a victim. I think part of racism sometimes is based on you feeling like you're a victim. And I'm sorry. I know. Send the messages. Tell me uh, that I'm racist and tell me I'm wrong. But I think a little part of racism has to do with you being a victim. Not all. There's some bad cops out there. That cop, bad, right? You can't come back on me and say, well, you're, you're doing supporting this cop and not George Floyd. No, that cop needs to be imprisoned. Not for murder three, for murder two. Again, a Democrat DA chose to to charge him with murder three. Murder two, I've read the statute based on what I've seen and what I've seen as far as evidence. There is no way that you should be charged with murder three. You should be charged with murder two. And if they want to drop it, if the the jury, if the judge, if the the process uh, of um, coming to an agreement on a plea bargain then drops it down to a three, then that's what can be done. But now you're at a three. Where do you go from a three? You go to assault and battery under color of authority, which is not nearly as bad as murder. Do you see what I'm saying? You cannot start with the lowest possible crime. You have to start with the highest possible crime. Murder one is not possible because you didn't have malice of forethought. At least it's going to be very difficult to prove. We've not been able to see that. But we have seen murder two. Charging him with murder three is a horrible, horrible mistake. And it's a Democrat DA who has done that. All right, so... I got two more things. Lastly, closing <laughs> closing the door to communication will never solve everything. And this is again what happened with this conversation that I was talking about with the, with the uh, uh, the Facebook post with when I'm dealing with uh, when I, as a police officer dealing with victims or suspects of crimes <clears throat> is that because I did not see it their way because I didn't buy into their victimization uh, of of what they believe. Uh, you know, that they're being a victim of. Because I didn't see that and I countered with facts and truth and would say like that this person I was talking about with their job, with the supervision, they never worked with somebody that was a supervisor that would allow them to work and always was picking on them. And we would get in arguments because she goes, that person would say, well, how come you never see my side of the story? Because that's not my job. As your friend or your family member, that is not my job to see your side. My job is to love you and respect you enough to tell you the truth. That is my job. Same as on these Facebook posts. I told the person that I said, I love you as a friend. And I understand that you're hurt. I understand that what you're seeing on the on television and what happened to George Floyd is painful for you. I understand that. But my job as your friend and loving friend, even though we barely know each other, is not to just simply agree with you. What kind of friend is that? What kind of family member is that? What kind of community member is that? If I only just agree with you, my job is to help you to be stronger and to understand, you know what, on this case, you're wrong. In this case, you're wrong. You need to look at these other things. And I have to point them out to you because if I don't point them out to you, you you will never see them. You are so blinded by anger and blame and um uh victimization that you're you're having trouble letting the truth in you're having trouble seeing that there's another side of the story that you really need to be aware of and so you close down communication by simply saying you're an asshole, you're a trump lover you're a republican and uh you're a lemming is what i've been called um and that yes you shutting down communication That you think, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to hear what you have to say because it may change my mind. So instead, you're an asshole. Instead, you're a racist. Instead, you're a bigot. Instead, you're a Nazi. Instead, you're a baby killer. All the things that I've been told, that is the thing that stops the conversation, right? That is your uh, guard you put up because you're afraid that I'm being honest with you. And you shut down communication. If you want the police, if you want politicians, if you want maybe even people like me to to help heal this wound of racism, then there has to be communication. There has to be a little give and take. Hey, you always beat us down. Well, not always. Here are situations where we didn't do that. No, you're an asshole. No, here are things that we have done in the past to kind of get through this. And if we can come to an agreement, if we can if we can get this information out to the community, so they can actually see that we have made some improvements, that we want to help, that we want to improve relationships. If you can see that and not stop communication, then when then we can move forward, and then I will accept some of the things that you have to say. But once you put up that wall and you stop all communication, nothing gets done, right? These these discussions. I was pow- I was I was very clear in my message on the on the posting is that I love this discussion I am so thankful that we've had a series there's a couple people that I know that are friends that were part of that they could see because I saw like these little hearts and you know thumbs up during the discussion so there are people there that private messaged me and said wow that was really good and uh, you know this kind of stuff and I said it was really good because we were having it for a moment we were having a discussion and then bam and you're an asshole (laughs) what what I say what I say it was going so well. And then communication stopped and that was it. So I, I think we've been on, un- I think she unfriended me, who knows, but see, that's what happens, right? Communication stopped. You start making an impact. You start, you know, having a communication and you hit a, you hit a wall. So you, but we can't continue to do that. If you continue to just stop communication, there will never be any resolution. If you stop communication, there will never be any resolution. You know, most of these things are coming off the top of my head. <laughs>
0: I don't know if they're good or not. But let me see.
1: all right, last thing. Uh, and I'm not sure if this. I think this is maybe just a little side note to me. Police and city. Anything? Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the one thing in the end, and and this is where I have no idea where these cities continue to drop the ball. But when you have you have the police, the city, the county, the state, it, it starts with leadership, right? We have very poor leadership. Whether it's Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. As long as there's good leadership. I know some Democrats that are great leaders. I've I, I mentioned a couple on some of the posts that I've I've, uh, I've I put up on my personal page on Twitter and on some of the other accounts that I use for uh, communicating these things. There's some great in black Democratic leadership who are fantastic. They've taken a stand and said, "Listen, I'm not going to follow the herd and just blame Trump for all my problems. I'm not going to follow the herd and blame police for all my problems because I have had some great experiences with the police. Of course, there's a few jerks." Of course, there's a few uh, jerk Republicans, there's a few jerk uh, Democrats, but that's not gonna keep me from being able to praise the opposing party because there are some good things we can do together once we begin to communicate and agree, right? And so when we get leadership, whether it's Democrat or Republican or Independent or the Green Party or whatever you want, I don't care, that it takes a, a very good leadership role of communicating, we have to do a better job with our police departments in, in cutting down these, um, uh, you know, th- th- there's, a, there's a few words that I wanna use and I'm, I wanna be very careful because I, I know I've said a lot of words, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just really a culture. There, there's other things I can call it, but you gotta find these, th- these culture problems like the culture of beating up on people needlessly for long periods of time and not, not letting up. It just doesn't happen to blacks. It happens to whites. It happens to Mexicans. And I've seen it and I've had cases involving it that you got to identify a, a problem and solve it quickly. It The. It, 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 I don't know why it continues. I, I, that I don't have the answer for because I know in Anaheim, we are very fortunate. We had some cultures, trust me. We had some problems uh, and I identified them and I quickly found myself outside the walls of Anaheim Police Department. Yeah, they found a reason to retire me and I got retired. Uh, so trust me, I know what can happen to somebody who has an idea that says, listen, this is wrong. And you tell a lieutenant, a captain, a chief of police that what is happening within the police department is wrong. They will find a way to show you the door. Right. But when you have good, solid leadership in regard to the mayor, city council, chief of police, deputy chief, captains, lieutenants and sergeants, and you all work together right, to solve the problem, the people that are actually handling the calls, which are the police officers and identifying problem officers, bad cultures and move them around. A culture can be two or three cops within a sector right? You can have two or three officers in a sector who are really heavy handed and they go out there and do some things. Now, strong police work is welcome. I believe in strong police work going in there with force and a command presence and getting crap done. But you have to do that with a, uh, an understanding that there's times not to be that way, right? To have a balance. But when you now begin to treat everybody as a one percenter, which is the one percent that, that are just the dregs of society, and you forget there's people that aren't in that one percent, Right? When you begin to think that everybody deserves to be treated like slime and snot and dirt, then we have a problem. Then you begin to build a culture. Those cultures need to be broken up quickly before they begin to take hold. If you allow a culture to take hold, it'll begin to grow like a cancer within a police department. And we have leadership who have not done a good job of doing that in some of these cities. I've seen it in places like Baltimore as an investigator in some crimes that have been occurring in Baltimore um, and, in, of course, in, in, in Minnesota. Uh, And then Chicago, I've had many cases of those are some of the the bigger problems I've seen. And then there's a couple other cities, which I I won't go into all the cities, where they have a culture that is much bigger uh, and should have been broken down a long time ago. And so we need to have better leadership. They they, they need to clean up Minneapolis Police Department. They need to begin to release, fire, terminate, arrest. Some of the supervision that was overseeing the officer who was uh, fired and arrested, they need to be fired and arrested possibly because they allowed this to occur. They have a hand in the death of George Floyd. I'm here to tell you, this is not a popular idea. I would be, I would be, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 my career would be done. Uh, if I mentioned that, and I was an officer in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I would be done. All right. But I'm just telling you there is some supervision. The, the direct supervision of this officer probably needs to be arrested and fired or fired and arrested. All right. So, uh, I want to end uh, and I didn't mention this in the beginning and I'm sorry if there's any, if there's, you know, you're, so I would wa- I would like you to watch uh, just a little bit longer. I'm going to be interviewing a singer songwriter uh, tomorrow who wrote a song. Uh, he's part of our church. He's part of our worship team. Uh, I love the song. Every time I listen to it, I, I, I tear up a bit. I will be interviewing him uh, tomorrow. There's some words that are in there that are very powerful. It's called more. And uh, I'm going to play a video uh, from our Easter service at our church He's a very cool guy. I love my church. Um, and I, what I also left in there is a prayer that happens to, I think, fit for what is it we're going through now. There's got to be more than this and what I'm seeing on TV, which is Philadelphia writing right now, what I'm seeing, uh, that there's got to be more than what we've gone through with the, the pandemic and what is going on today. There's got to be more. And so I want, I want to leave on the prayer that uh, Pastor Kyle is saying. And then following his prayer is the song um, by Matt Roden. Uh, who I'm going to interview tomorrow about that song, as long as everything goes well. And um, I just want you to listen to it and listen to the words and, and think about that. And then join me tomorrow as I interview uh, uh, Matt uh, about his song. I, I, again, I think it's powerful. Uh, you may not, you may not like it. I love it. It it brings tears to my eyes every time I listen to it. And I hope this doesn't have my take, take down my whole Facebook live because I don't have necessarily permission to run this. I have permission from him, but um. I, I think we'll be fine. So um, I'm going ahead and um, and play this. I appreciate all of you. Uh, I appreciate all of you watching and spending the time with me. I, I appreciate all the comments. I didn't get a chance to to look at all the uh, comments. I you know I, I don't. I, I this is a hard, difficult um, uh, subject matter. I I wrestled with it for the last two days whether I would do this or not. But today, based on this discussion I had earlier, I couldn't. I could not do it. And uh, I just had so many thoughts, whether they're right or not, I don't know. But I'm going to play this song. Uh, Please listen to it. And then um, following the song, I'm just going to end the broadcast. So I want to tell you all thank you uh, and I appreciate you. But Kyle's going to say a prayer following the prayer. The song starts and I really do think you'll like it. Listen to the words uh, and
0: uh, join me tomorrow uh, when I interview Matt. All right, here we go. This is a very different kind of Easter than any of us has ever experienced. Easter is usually about family and picnics and egg hunts for the kids and all those things look a little different. But even in that, you've probably left yourself one. There is a
1: chance that in my haste, I did not click the right button. I want to just make sure, were you hearing it okay? Because there's a chance, I panicked and I started to think, I don't think that I checked the box that allows you to hear the audio. So I just in case I want to stop it, uh, I'll try to back it up to where he started that prayer. So I apologize if you were hearing it. I just panicked and thought, did I not click that button? I couldn't remember. So I apologize, but I just want to make sure you could hear it. All right, here we go. I can see that I checked the box. It's all ready to go now. All right, right, here we go. I'm just going to
0: mute my mic. Okay, I'll see you guys tomorrow. community. Some of them can't even leave their houses. And so we've had volunteers that when they're at the store, they'll pick up bags of food and just leave them on the porch for them. And I'm just so proud of how our church is loving our neighbor well in this time. And so I want to invite you guys to continue to be generous. It's a way that we get to show profoundly God's hope and love to the world. You'll see there's a couple ways to do that. You can just text Friends Church to the number that you see on your screen. Or secondly, you're already online. There's a way to give online. So right after the service, you can go on there and be a part of the story that God's writing through Friends Church. This is a very different kind of Easter than any of us has ever experienced. Easter is usually about family and picnics and egg hunts for the kids and all those things look a little different. But even in that, you've probably left yourself wondering, isn't there more to life than what we're experiencing right now? That's a question that's going through my mind. Isn't there more to life? Isn't there more to Easter? And it, it creates this longing in us. And for many of us, it's a longing just to get back to normal. But what if there's more than normal? What if there's something beyond the normal that any one of us has ever experienced or encountered? What if God wants to use this time, this season, this day and this moment to actually transform us to redeem and restore the the broken things in our life, to rebuild relationship and character within us to help us become more of who created us to be in the first place. I wanna invite you guys to consider that question as we continue this journey of Easter and worship. And I just wanna pray for you as we continue. So if you would, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, just, just close your eyes. And I invite you to do that just to eliminate distraction. And let me just pray over you. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, the gift of life, the gift of hope. And I pray for every single person that's watching, every single person that's listening. Father, you see them and you know them. You created them and you care deeply about them. And so I pray that as we continue remembering the truth and the hope and the power of Easter, God, that you would speak to every single one of us, that you bid, that you, restore, that you would invite to a deeper, more profound journey with you. God, for some people, this may be the first Easter that they encounter you. And so I pray that you would help them to surrender wholeheartedly to you. And God, for all of us, may we take our next step of faith with you, knowing that there is more to life than what we are experiencing today. There's more that you have for us as we walk through this journey. I pray this in the power of your name, Jesus. Amen.
2: There's gotta be more, there's gotta be more than this. I can't lose hope. Somebody shed light on me. Cause all of these questions Still, I know this for sure There's gotta be more to life than this
3: Yo I've heard it said that there is more than one season of life. But how come every morning I wake up, it feels dry? All the decisions that I make, I'm second guessing. In every corner that I take, I feel I'm robbed of a blessing. It's like my soul's trying to make ends meet. Like, is there really a God above us? He just left me in the streets. Cause everything that I touch, it needs a touch up, though. Grabbing fruit for my labor? No, I'm taking out the garbage, yo. Yes, there are moments that I've tried to reason. Thinking this emptiness just goes with every season. Maybe there's a God above who just won't listen. Or maybe a question or two I haven't asked that I'm missing. Like, is there more to life? Or is my life at stake? Do I really have a purpose? Or is it all a mistake? So I'm left to praying with an open mind. Thinking there's got to be more, but it's all in there. has
2: gotta be more.
3: more,
2: there's gotta be more can't lose hope, somebody shed light on me, cause all of these questions I can't answer still, I know this for sure, there's gotta be more to life than me.
3: I'm the one that's got it all. i got the answers right. I've got money in the bank, but couldn't write a check to save my life. And it's a dangerous place that I'm in. Cause it's been taking me to places I ain't never been. With loneliness inside of me, depression and anxiety Reminding me that I can not trust this world that is locked to me And if it's true that I've been played by the world Can I really trust the creator of every boy and every girl? He's either a lunatic or a sad man A madman or a bad man Cause I can't ever understand why you give your life for all men and is this gift of love just something to borrow? Or is it something that has substance that can drown in my soul Because I'm exhausted of the mind games. I make another move and life is calling checkmate. I'm getting sick of all the heartache and the blind dates. With these questions, I can answer hoping someday.
2: There's gotta be more. more. There's gotta be more than this. I can't lose hope. More. Somebody said lie on me Cause all of these questions I can't answer still I know this whole show There's gotta be more to lie than you
3: No matter the headspace you find yourself in, there's a God who is and was and has always been. He's the antidote to the wrestling inside. Jesus came to die and rise in three so we could have life. He took the weight of the world so we confide in him. He promised to walk with us in valleys when the future's dim. It's his resurrection that can redirect us. Giving us hope in the worst of circumstances And not that we would come to him just to fix us up But he loves his children so and he never gives up So when you think that you have finally reached the end of your rope Listen closely to me friend, there's some things you should know He's the father to the fatherless, hope to the hopeless The joy to the joyless, the sight to the sightless The peace to the peaceless, the might to the mightless
2: hear me saying, friend, that Jesus is enough. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all world. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus.
0: When you see someone who's struggling, it's natural to want to help. Fortunately, Pacific Source Health Plans has resources to do just that. Our member support specialists work to help our members meet real, everyday challenges like food insecurity and housing, isolation, stress, and difficulties with language. They even help with transportation, utility bills, copay assistance, and arranging home care. Our member support specialists are committed to your well-being and your privacy. Going beyond what's required. Just another way we put members first. Learn more at PacificSourceMembersFirst.com.